Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, we are cruising into summer here. You know, we're in May, and um, kind of starting to feel that way. It is starting, starting to feel that way. We went, out, went outside yesterday to get in my car at like five o'clock, and it was ninety-three degrees mm -hmm. here. You know, we're kind of down. And then I got in the car and drove to Aiken. I had a meeting downtown, and it started pouring rain. It even started hailing. In fact, I had to pull off into a gas station under an awning, try to protect myself. And, some hail there, and, uh, and then it cooled down to 71. So you just never know. And then it was a beautiful evening. Yeah. So you never know what to expect this time of year. It can be cold or it can be apparently hot. Yeah, May's is kind of the transition. It is. Know, um, it is. But it, it was a little humid, um, you know, but I, I kind of like that a little bit. It's still a little yeah. cool in the morning. So, it is. Um, it's been nice. And yeah. uh, sports-wise, kind of quiet, but the NFL draft just occurred. Um, probably not a lot of fans out there. I don't right. watch it. But um, Georgia, when, uh, Georgia actually had 15 players drafted in the – in the draft, that's an all-time record. Wow! Which is one of the reasons why they won the the national championship yeah, game. No but kidding. Fifteen and 15. Texas wow. had zero. The really? University of Texas had zero players. Zero, which wow. is crazy. I mean, it is crazy, and that shows how how unbalanced I think the it, it, the the college, collegiate you know yeah uh, football is particularly with the NIL. The now this NIL is going to so. make it even worse. I, I really think it's going to be a mess, but yep. it'll be interesting to see how that plays out here in the next couple of years. So uh, talking about our show, I mean, we, we got some great things to talk about here. Um, if you're gearing up to retirement, we talk about retirement a lot, but there's a lot to think about when it comes to retirement. And, and now we have the seven signs that you're not okay to retire. Yeah, um, that's, that's good. And we do see these. Sometimes. We do, we do. So you got to know what to look for to kind of know if you're set up for retirement. There's some things you need to check off to make sure that you're you're ready to retire. And then we're going to follow that up with uh, some uh, kind of it's, a wealth transfer talk. Yeah, right? some estate planning. Um, you know, Steve, the the uh, amount that's going to be transferred from older Americans, um, you know, the baby boomer generation to uh, to the their kids and, and society as a whole. Is staggering. Um, you know, from 2018 to 2042, 70 trillion dollars will be redistributed. So wow. it's a big deal. It's a big number. Um, so we will have a conversation about that. Um, you know, we have we we're asked about that a lot, right? I mean, we a lot are. of estate planning type topics. So we'll we'll cover the wealth transfer and give you some ideas. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic. And by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 27 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 30 years now. Wow, you must be old. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're excited to have you listen we're to us today. We're both buddy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe fair, fair enough. <laughs> We're excited to have you listen to us down on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday morning, um, so check us out on our website, and uh, you can see those going all the way back like 10 years. Right? Yeah, we have a lot of them out there. So moneymd.net is our website. Uh, we do have the podcast out there. You can also go to the uh, website. We have a um, retirement planning. If you've never done that, and if you're a client, you, you've obviously likely gone through that with us. But if you're not and you're listening, uh, we do have a really nice tool out there that you can key some information in and kind of see if you're 
okay to retire or not okay to retire, which is what we're going to cover here in a couple of minutes. And exactly. um, I'm actually doing the prescription of the week this week. And uh, so go check that out on Facebook. It's MoneyMD is our, is our tag. You can also link to us on our website. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And we will talk about those right here on the show. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, so so full disclosure, this is from um, uh, England, and um, the stat is from England, but I'm sure it translates back into the U.S. And basically, there was a study that was done that found that the GPA and the degree was more important than the institution. Yeah. Which that, was interesting. That I mean, is interesting because you would think if you went to like an Ivy League school, that would carry more weight than whether you graduated with... I don't know, honors yeah. or, you know, or, or, or a 3.0. Well, I know when people come in here to interview, I mean, we're, you know, it, it is uh, nice to see a high GPA in, in finance Absolutely. or accounting versus, I mean, if they come from South Carolina versus Clemson, I mean, honestly, well, right. maybe it makes a difference for you. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but it right. doesn't really, uh, right. it doesn't sway me necessarily. I mean, I guess if Absolutely. they're from Harvard, you know, there's a, there's obviously some uh, some swag to that, but you know, if they have a high GPA at a at a good you know a good school, then that says a lot. It really does, yeah. And what it says to me, when looking at these stats, is hey, don't impoverish yourself with loans to go to some prestigious school. Instead, focus on studying hard, going to a good school, but probably in state, maybe even local. Get a good degree with good grades, you know, and that carries just as much weight. And you don't have to go take out the huge, you yeah. know, $100,000 in student loans, you know? Totally agree. Yeah. So I think that's a great fact of the week. All right. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is seven signs that you're okay to retire. Only that seven. That you're not right? okay to retire. <clears throat> that you're not okay. Yeah. <laughs> not clarify okay. that. Big difference here. This is a very recent article out of Investopedia from Amy Fontenelle. And, um, but John, we talk a lot about retirement here on the show because- you know, it's a big focus of people planning and, um, and there's a lot to it. Um, and being ready to retire means more than just being ready to stop working, you know, and getting up at 6am. I mean, if it were that simple, most of us would have retired at age 25, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there is a lot of components to being ready to retire, which include things like, you know, having a solid grasp on, you know, uh, on where your income and your spending is going to look like in retirement. And carefully considering, you know, an investment plan, um, making sure you have debt under control and a plan for how you're going to spend your days once you do retire. You know, it's important to get that right because there are not a lot of do-overs when it comes to retirement. You know, once you leave that job at the pinnacle of your career, the options are often more limited for continuing to work or going back to work. So with that in mind, um, here we have seven signs that you're not okay to retire just yet. Yeah, the first one is, you know, if you're struggling to, to pay current bills, um, that could be a sign. I mean, it, you know, when you do retire, the general rule of thumb is that re retirees need 70 to 80% of their pre-retirement income to enjoy a comfortable retirement at the same standard of living. So, you know, obviously there's different sources of income with Social Security and pensions and IRAs and 401ks and so forth. But so the question is, is, you know, will these sources give you enough income to meet your obligations? And if you're not able to pay your current bills while you're working, then that's likely not going to be enough to pay the bills, you know, when you retire. So that's a, that's kind of an easy sign, if you will. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a bad sign if you can't pay your current bills. And sure, I mean, there are going to be some costs that'll go down, like, you know, maybe commuting costs, gas, um, dry cleaning expenses, 
But there are going to be other things that go up, like entertainment, travel may increase. And, you know, there are some expenses that tend to go up as you get older, too, like health care. Um, so it's also an important factor to, 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 to include taxes when you plan for retirement income. But unfortunately, you know, those are usually, fortunately, those are going to be lower in retirement, right? Because um, you're not going to be paying in for Social Security and Medicare. Um, but then there's medical insurance, which also can be tricky in retirement. You know, if you aren't 65 yet and you can buy into Medicare, um, most employer-provided health insurance stops at, at retirement unless you're working for a state or federal government. So you have to look at all those things, um, you know, and, and of course, but you, you need to be comfortably paying your bills before you retire to really be able to say for sure, you know, that, that yeah, we're going to be able to do this in retirement with, with maybe 20 or 30% less income. Yep. Second one here is a high level of debt. Um, yeah, that's definitely a bad sign. You know, maintaining large levels of debt going into retirement is not the ideal position to be in when you're about to end your career. And it's an indication that you aren't ready to, for retirement, quite frankly. You know, debt will severely strain your savings once you retire um, and leave the office. Ideally, you want to be totally out of debt when you retire. But at a minimum, you need to eliminate any credit card, consumer loans, um, car payments. You know, paying off your mortgage is also an important part of being ready to retire. Um, you, you know, but we see a lot of people go into retirement with a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Can be done, but it obviously increases your risk and stress in retirement. But you just don't want to be in a position where you're forced to take withdrawals from your 401ks or your IRAs every month just to meet mortgage payments or having to take out a large sum of money to pay off debt. Um, it's just not a position you want to be in in retirement. So paying down your debt monthly and consistently before you retire, that's a great indication that you have a budget that works and you have the discipline to stay out of debt once you do get debt-free into retirement. So if you're not at that point, then it probably makes sense to work a few extra years you know, and get most or all of that debt paid off before you hang up the lunchbox. Yeah. And the the third sign that you may not be okay to retire is, you know, you have some major expenses that you haven't planned for. So, you know, you don't want to wait to address these major, um, you know, expenses like roofs. I mean, you know, HVACs, repaving the driveway. Um, some people want new cars, you know, vacation homes. I mean, these larger expenses can add up. And, and especially when funds are withdrawn from taxable accounts and taxes have to be paid on every single dollar. So, and that's one of the things when people come in and say, hey, I want to retire in a couple of years. What should I be doing? Well, these are some of the things that we, we talk about. So, Yeah, you definitely want to tackle the large expenses before retirement, you know, when you can, when you can save extra out of income because the impact after retirement can be significant. It can push you into a higher tax bracket um, if you have to take large withdrawals. I mean, think about if you need a new roof, a driveway, maybe a new car. Those purchases might mean you have to withdraw like, Thirty to fifty thousand dollars potentially to pay for those, you know, in in net withdrawals from retirement. That could mean an extra ten to twenty thousand dollars of tax if you're in a twenty two percent federal bracket. Um, so it's just not a position you want to be in with retirement. You know, those kind of withdrawals really can wreck your retirement savings. So you need to set up a separate home maintenance fund, car fund that you can contribute to monthly that's built into your retirement budget to take care of those large reoccurring expenses that are going to happen on into retirement. 
Yeah. Another thing that, um, you know, you're not ready to retire if you don't know what your, your benefits are. I mean, this is, and we see this pretty frequently. And so people have homework when they, uh, when they leave our office and, uh, knowing what social security is, you know, you may not be relying totally on social security to meet most of your expenses, but you certainly can't ignore it. And you, you have to have a good idea of what pensions are going to be long before retirement. Um, you know, if you haven't estimated what that benefit is, um, then, you know, you need to go check it out. Go to ssa.gov, get your most recent benefit statement. Um, if you have a pension, you know, a lot of teachers out there we talk with, you know, they're, they're putting money in monthly and, and the, you know, the, the county or the, the, the state is putting money in as well. And it's, mm-hmm. it's going to add up to a benefit. And a lot of people don't know that. So you have to have a clear picture of where all your income is going to come from well before you know, you push that retirement button um, on your day job because it's it's stressful if you don't know what that looks like. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a good one. You know, and the next one here on the list is you don't have a financial plan. Um, yeah, that's a bad indication because, I mean, once you retire, paychecks stop arriving, but the bills keep showing up. So you need to map out your monthly cash flow, have a complete pro- projections, of what it's going to look like, you know, well into retirement, decades into retirement, including inflation. Um, and so without this plan, you aren't really ready for retirement. You know, I mean, planning your monthly cash flow means considering when you're going to start drawing Social Security benefits and, you know, how much you're going to receive in addition to how much you're going to withdraw from your, your retirement accounts and in what order. Um, and having a monthly plan also means having a solid grasp of your expenses. Ideally, you should have a year or two of actual expending history summarized, you know, by categories so you can analyze each of those categories and determine how that might change in retirement. You know, some expenses may go down, such as debts um, that that will soon be repaid or paid off, um, but others are going to go up, you know, maybe health care, travel, recreation may go up in retirement. So you've got to have a solid financial plan. That's one of the keys, and if you don't have that in place, that that's a check mark against retirement. Yeah, and and kind of tied in with that retirement plan is inflation. I mean, you've got to account for inflation in that financial plan, and um, you know, inflation affects your day to day expenses. I mean, we're all feeling that now. Gosh, going to the grocery store or grocery store or the gas station, it's just amazing how much things have mm-hmm. gone up. Um, you know, in an inflation rate of three percent, um, your expenses will double in less than 25 years, um, well within a typical retirement period. So, you know, overlooking the effects of inflation is one of the most common retirement planning mistakes that we see, and it can have serious long-term uh, implications if you don't account for it. So, you know, last year we saw inflation running north of 5%, and it's well above that this year. So that's a that's a risk. You got to make sure you have that accounted for. Um, inflation is the uh, silent retirement killer is what we call it. And a lot of people don't include that in their, in their projections. Yeah. And I'd say that's one of the biggest risks now that current retirees face is, you know, what if inflation remains elevated for a long period of time? So you really have to factor that in to your plan and with average lifespans much longer than they used to be. I mean, you need to manage your money carefully to keep up with our outpace inflation um, to reduce your chance of outliving your savings. So, to earn investment returns that outpace inflation, you're going to need a well-diversified portfolio that includes stocks and bonds designed to earn more than inflation for decades into retirement. So in the short term, you know, you might not notice, but in the long term, inflation can eat into your retirement savings faster than you actually spend it. 
So don't ignore that critical factor <clears throat> to your retirement plan. And then the last one here, John, is, you know, retirement um, worries you and you love your job. You know, that would be a clear sign you might not be mm -hmm. quite ready emotionally for retirement because even if your portfolio is in top shape, you may not be mentally ready to let go of your working life. You know, if if you're anxious about retirement, but yet you you're energized and you enjoy still enjoy your work. I mean, working takes up energy. <clears throat> and for some people, they may actually enjoy their job and, and the thought of retiring actually creates more stress for them. So, you know, if the thought of retirement makes you anxious, you know, rather than excited, then, you know, consider, you know, maybe maybe giving a little more time. You know, if that sounds like you, I mean, pursue maybe a second act in retirement, maybe working part time, maybe, you know, kind of test drive retirement, if you will. Become a volunteer for an organization that you care about in retirement, but at least have a plan for what you're going to do when you retire um, <clears throat> and just make sure that, you know, you're not giving up, you know, one of the biggest sources of enjoyment mm -hmm. um, that you have in life if that's your job. So, uh, so just have a plan, you know, that covers all these things. Make sure that you don't overlook some of these um, kind of obvious signs that you're not quite ready for retirement. Don't rush into it. If you're uneasy about any of these seven areas or anything else that we didn't mention, um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's important and uh, that's those are some really good items to keep in mind yeah, when planning topic. for retirement. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, starting to get this question a little bit more with the stock market. You know, we're in uh, the fourth month um, of down markets, and it's uh, obviously it's having a down year. And the question is, should I sell? And go to all cash, and and Steve, I saw a stat on um, this last week that um, the, the Vanguard, I think it was the S and P five hundred fund, had the biggest outflow in in years in April. Wow! Right, when yep. the market's going down, yep. and so we we see that we see the general market Absolutely. people, general investors will will sell when the markets are going down, and uh, we we just don't agree with that. We view no. the downturns as opportunities. Um, you know, if you're putting money in now, you're buying more shares. Um, some people go more aggressive in their allocations, which means they put more into the stock market um, rebalancing. I mean, there's a lot of things that that you can do when the markets are down. They happen, uh, down market happens about 25% of the time. So it's not unexpected. The reasons are always different. But certainly, I would not recommend going to, to cash. Um, you need to make sure you get in the right allocation on the front end. But That's trying to the time the markets on this is, um, it, you just don't win on it. No, you don't. When you go into it, you have to have a plan for riding out the down markets. This is not unusual. We have corrections. We have bear markets. You know, every every year on average, almost, we have a correction, and which is what we're in right now. But even if it turns into a bear market, that's not that unusual. And those do recover, you know, historically, you know, in a year or two at the, you know, almost at the most yeah. um, when you look at history. So, you got to have a plan for those and you definitely don't want to follow your gut feel. Your your gut feel will betray you when yep. it comes to investing. Stock market is a leading economic indicator. It reacts before your gut reacts. Yeah, reacts, you know. Right. You don't it it goes up, it starts back up historically before you start feeling better about the economy. So and the same thing it goes down before you start feeling better. I mean, we're 4 months into a uh, uh, a correction here mm -hmm. almost. So um, that tells you right there, you know, that, um, you know, it's your gut feel was not a good indicator. Yeah, that's right. So, so stay in, but you got to have a process in place. If you're in retirement, more than likely you have, you know, a lot of bonds and taking income that you just pull it from the bond side. So the process is important. 
during these downturns, but uh, don't go to cash. We have not seen that work out um, for anybody, really. I mean, it just doesn't. It's, it's not. A, it's not a great strategy. Not a good strategy. Yeah, be diversified. Stay invested. Yep. Your long term strategy here. Yep, and that leads us up here to our next que- uh, topic, and that is generational wealth transfer. You know, how do you plan for that in your state? Yeah, this comes from the uh, Layfield Law Firm, and um, you know, Steve, to preserve um, you know an inheritable legacy. Um, for future generations, it, it takes planning. I mean, uh, there's always generational differences of opinion as, as how to you know live and act in the world. Uh, we see the the younger population uh, you know may have very different priorities than the older uh, you know benefactors when it comes to um, you know climate change and pollution and wealth accumulation and so forth. So you know what's the best way to guide your family? And this is a family decision. Um, you know. Uh, how do you guide your heirs in the next generations when you're gone? And, uh, you know, it begins with really understanding the scope. Um, and we mentioned this on the intro of how big this transfer is. It's massive and, uh, it's already starting to impact, um, people right now, but it's a very, it's a, it's not a problem, but it's something that needs to be discussed in families. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in older Americans, baby boomer generation in particular, they control an enormous stockpile of wealth in the U.S., not like previous generations. You know, I mean, <clears throat> usually the older folks are the ones that inherited it all, and they're the ones that also have built it up. So, yeah, the Wall Street Journal reports that <clears throat> from 2018 to 2042, um, <clears throat> over the next couple decades, $70 trillion will be redistributed with some $61 trillion going to family heirs in the United States, according to this research, the remaining balance will end up in <clears throat> philanthropic endeavors, you know, to charities. Um, but that transfer of wealth makes, <clears throat> uh, you know, or, or marks another display of the outsized economic power of the baby boomers in the coming age of the post-World War II prosperity, you know, that we've seen here in the United States. And it's just driving the U.S. economy <clears throat> throughout those stages of their lives. So, going to be a big wealth transfer over the next couple of decades. Yeah, we've already started seeing that. I mean, a lot of benefactors are, are not waiting to gift monies until they die. Um, the the re- recipients of these transfers, um, it's underway and will continue um, for, for quite a while. I mean, the IRS reports that annual gifts um, that taxpayers report uh, has seen a sub- substantial increase um, in the taxable gift reporting that is done. So taxable gifting is a fraction of what, you know, flows outside the tax system and the beginnings of this wealth transfer to the next generations. It's really starting to unleash, you know, economic activity like purchasing homes and starting businesses, uh, creating non-government organizations to, to shelter wealth or um, donations to charity. We see a lot of donations to charity. Uh, people are doing QCDs from their IRAs and uh, that's great. Yeah. And um, so this burgeoning economic activity is being driven by younger generations that display um, lower levels of financial literacy than their benefactors. And the Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association reports that only 11% of millennials display a relatively high level of financial literacy, with 28% in the same group conveying um, a very low uh, rate in finances. So this really leads to you know, making sure we're, we're talking and educating um, the younger folks in our families. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, the Generation X uh, group right behind the millennials um, don't fare much better either. I mean, they often struggle overall with savings and spending habits, according to this study. 
you know, and so rather than preserving their inheritance, these generations may spend it on a lot of things, including leisure activities, vacations, daily expenses, paying off college debt. They have the biggest college debt, you know, in history and then medical bills and other services. But definitely, you know, the younger generations need to need to learn and, and be taught as well as um, just, you know, receiving this money outright. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, to create this uh, multi-generational wealth, I mean, looking beyond creating only your estate plan, but but having tough conversations, and this really boils down to communicating. It's one of the big takeaways from this is communicate with your heirs about how to preserve wealth. And, and uh, you're not going to necessarily give your values to your heirs. Um, they're going to have those on their own, but letting them know how you got there and, and some things that were important to you and, and benefactors you know, experience a lot of fear about children and grandchildren, knowing what they will uh, inherit it, what, what will happen with it. Will they have a loss of motivation or work ethic? And so those are things that have to be considered. And, and conversely, inheriting generations may also shield their financial status from their parents and grandparents to avoid potential favoritism and gifting. So, you know, there's a dynamic um, on how to, to best uh, facilitate this communication. You've really got to think through. You've got to ensure that when you're gone, um, that it is not, it's not going to destroy your family and you want to make sure that your legacy continues. And it's really education and communication is key. That's right. You also need to be careful about the type of financial vehicle you use for transferring wealth to other generations because things like 529 plans and UGMA accounts, um, they're kind of the standard options, you know, to begin creating that aggregate of wealth that, you know, for a child or a grandchild that you might set up. However, um, People often forget, you know, I mean, when they send checks to, to those without communicating to the new parents, um, they, they kind of assume that they're going to know how to handle that gift. Um, but there should be a conversation about the newborn child or everyone's, you know, future hopes for them um, to honor that gifting process and to have the same values and, and purpose for that money down the road. And understand that while these accounts can work well in the short term, I mean, these accounts may be available to the child at age 18, you yeah. know, and they're a really young age. They're really grown up at 18, right? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Make great and decisions. Real and... mature at age 18. So, <laughs> you know, what if the child receives a scholarship or doesn't want to attend college? I mean, what if the child's experiencing addiction problems or too immature to to really handle, you know, this newfound, you know, money? Um, you know, these simple financial vehicles sometimes uh, pose difficulties in the years ahead. So you have to think about the implications and the what ifs of whenever you put money in a certain vehicle to give to children, really understand what the future is going to be in those accounts and how it can be handled. Yeah. And so working with an estate planning attorney, you know, that that does this for a living, you know, is something that maybe you should consider. I mean, certainly talking to a financial advisor, we we deal with that. There are other financial advisors that uh, that they can give you some ideas uh, on how to do this. Um, Steve, there's some some trust that can be set up, um, revocable living trust. Um, you can talk, talk to right. that piece. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, you, you can set up um, really all sorts of trust for children and grandchildren that can contain different types of assets. And these trusts can contain language, kind of instructing the beneficiaries how to um, how to how they can access that money over time and how they can put restrictions on it and benchmarks you know, about when they can take that money out. So a trust is a really powerful tool for for setting up, you know, and transferring money to, to children that can help um, 
guide them as to how to spend the money in the future? Yeah. So, you know, obviously looking ahead, you know, a couple of decades for your family is, is difficult, but that's what estate planning attorneys do. They can help you with the, the details. Um, sometimes it doesn't have to be complicated. You use beneficiaries, um, you know, but I do think, you know, communication on this um, with your with your spouse and your family is important, something that should be, you know, discussed periodically um, to make sure that it's going to fit your, your family and and preserve the wealth over over time. So, um, you know, there's a lot 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 of uh, details in that, but um, there is, there, yeah, and that's just touching the surface. It, but you just need to give a lot of thought to how you're going to transfer wealth to your children and grandchildren and accomplish the purposes that you have for that money. It, and doing some while you're alive is also. I mean, I encourage that. Yeah. I think you oh, know. I, I mean, somebody's going to get it at some point. So might as well have some fun with it while you're alive, right? Well, and plus you can help guide them on you know how sure. to how to establish good habits with that money and yep. what to do with it and kind of what your expectations are. So I think that's a great way to do it as well. Exactly. All right, good topic, and that leads us up to our final thing here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, so um, we talked about this earlier in the in the you know retirement section, but if you haven't reviewed your your social security statement recently, you really need to do that. So go to ssa.gov, look at your benefit, understand what that looks like. Um, You know, there's also social security uh, disability benefits in there if someone were to pass away, but also look at your income. Uh, I was reviewing mine, um, it's been a year ago, and there was a zero in there for 2020. So Uh some reason, you know, I I, I did my taxes and everything in, but it didn't show up in Social Security office. So There can uh, be mistakes. Yeah, so I visited the office, and it's still not updated, so I called back in uh, recently, and they said, well, fax in your W-2. So I'm I'm in the process of doing that, but you know it, it impacts the the benefit. It you know it lowers the amount that I I will receive at some point. So right. SSA.gov, go check it out. Yeah, you need to look at your past earnings history, make sure it's accurate. You know, because we all know the government does sometimes make mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few, so just a few times. So they deal with hundreds of millions of documents. So it, it does happen. So it is important to check it out. Yeah. And plus you want to know what your benefit is. You got to, you got to know that number to help plan for retirement anyway. So go check that out every single year, get an updated benefit statement and know what your social security can look like along with your pension and other benefits as well. Yep. So, um, yeah, good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. You can link to us there. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 